Because of our theme today of education and kicking off a new school, uh, church school year, I decided to veer away from the lectionary and focus on the idea of wisdom. This is a big theme throughout the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, as it has a whole section of, of the Old Testament called wisdom literature. Uh, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, and of course the book of Job which I'm leading a class on this fall starting next week, uh, and I'm very much looking forward to that and hope you can join me. Our first uh, reading this morning was from Job, and it was from the part of the book called The Wisdom Interlude, where Job pleads for wisdom and understanding to make sense of his epic misfortune. Our second lesson is also from the Old Testament, but it's not from the wisdom literature genre. It's from the history section of 1 Kings, and our reading begins just after Solomon takes over as king from his father David. And this young king is greeted by the God of his ancestors in a dream. I invite you now to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the third chapter of 1 Kings, beginning with the third verse. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David only. He sacrificed and offered incense at the high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the principal high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I should give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and given him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Although I am only a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a great people, so numerous they cannot be counted or numbered. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil. For who can govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life, or riches, or for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, I now do according to your word. Indeed, I give you a wise and discerning mind. No one like you has been before you, and no one like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked both riches and honor all your life. No other king shall compare with you. If you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and commandments, as your father David walked, I will lengthen your life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The old saying goes like this. Be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. This saying is often paired with a cautionary tale of a genie or a fairy godmother granting wishes to a protagonist in a story. These wishes often go the way of wealth, power, longevity, true love, 
And usually, the protagonist ends up with more than they bargained for, regretting what seemed like such a simple wish. <laughs> Solomon's dream in our lesson had such a feeling at first. This sort of story is actually quite common in the ancient Near East, of a deity greeting a new ruler and offering them anything they desire. Such a story would legitimate them as a king by their god, electing them directly to serve. Solomon, who was a young man, had some big shoes to fill. David, his father, wasn't perfect by any means, but he was a legend. He was a beloved and influential king. Solomon also wasn't the most likely successor. He had some competition. There were other people vying for the throne. And the story seems to seal his fate of not only being his father's chosen successor, but God's as well. So God meets Solomon in a dream, and God asks Solomon what he can do for him. What follows is Solomon's prayer for wisdom. First, he thanks God for, for God's faithfulness to his father, David. Then he expresses gratitude and humility for being chosen as king, even though he is young and naive saying he doesn't know how to come out or go in. So with that, he asks to give God's servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil. God's pleased that Solomon asked for wisdom and not for something selfish like wealth or longevity, but rather for wisdom in his life and role as king. So God promises to bless Solomon with these things, too. We see this all play out in Solomon's story, as he is said to have possessed more wisdom than all the people of the East and all the wisdom of Egypt. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, three of the books of wisdom literature are even dedicated to Solomon because of his famed wisdom. All of this fame stemming from this very prayer for wisdom. So what is wisdom? What's this thing that Solomon asks for and receives? Now that our kids are back at school and we're beginning a new church year here, it seems that education is worth talking about and thinking about. Education is certainly in the business of wisdom, but not so because of the facts and knowledge you learn. No, its overarching goal is more about instilling in a person the lifelong desire to learn. I'll always remember my very first class in college, my history professor saying this, my hope for your education here at this institution and beyond is not so much that when you leave, you'll be able to remember this date or that, but rather that you learn how to ask a good question. Because knowing how to ask a good question, the right question, sets you on a journey of lifelong learning. In the Old Testament, wisdom was a cherished attribute. You could even say it was the cherished attribute. It was to be desired over wealth and power. In our first reading, Job says that wisdom cannot be bought with gold or precious gems, Wisdom is something that transcends value. It is literally priceless because at its heart, it belongs to God. 
But as I said earlier, wisdom in the Bible isn't so much about smarts, rather it's an attitude. At its heart, wisdom in the Bible is about transformation. Wisdom, or transforming and aligning one's own desires and agendas to God's. Seeking daily to walk more and more, to be enriched and strengthened by God in your life. Seeking wisdom is an act of humility and duty, but also of openness and vulnerability. This is exactly what Solomon does in his first act as king. He seeks, he asks for wisdom. He humbly asks God that he would rule as God would have him rule. The irony here, friends, is that Solomon's asking for wisdom was, in fact, an act of biblical wisdom, seeking to be transformed, aligned by God's pathways. Here we see that wisdom is power, but it's a power that flips the world's understanding of power upside down. Wisdom's not something to be exploited, but rather it leads one to embody the powerful love of God. Solomon teaches us to seek wisdom, to seek this kind of transformation in our lives from our ways and desires to God's. Solomon teaches us that this transformation is one of humility and openness that is found only in relationship with God through prayer. Friends, while I love this lesson and I, I truly think Solomon has much to teach us about seeking wisdom, Solomon's story isn't exactly relatable. For one thing, as far as I know, now I've only been here one year, but as far as I know, none of us are kings and queens and have a whole people to to rule over. But more so, Solomon's transformation happens almost instantly. He asks and God gives it to him directly. God directly meets him in a dream. He asks God for wisdom and immediately receives it. We see him exercise this biblical wisdom in the very next verses on to the end of his own life. To me, Job's lifelong quest for wisdom seems much more relatable for us. Throughout this interlude, which serves as almost like an intermission of sorts in the book, Job pleads for wisdom and understanding in light of his deep misfortune. This passage, like the vast majority of Job, is written in Hebrew poetry, It's filled with patterns and sequences of syllables, but also, like much poetry, it's filled with rhyme. The most common word for wisdom in Hebrew that Job uses here is chokmah, while the word he uses for understanding is bina. Do you hear that? The two rhyme. That's why you see them paired throughout that passage. If you turn and look through the the first reading from Job 28, where can wisdom be found? Where is the place of understanding? These two rhyme, and they rhyme, and they're placed this way to go hand in hand in Job's own poetic reflection. Job shows us here that understanding is the byproduct of wisdom. As we are transformed from our, our ways to God's, we can begin to understand the world around us through God's eyes. The irony here, of course, is that Job is pleading for these things because he is at a loss for words due to his misfortune. I'm innocent. Why did this happen to me? Job's quest for wisdom and understanding will soon lead him to meet God directly in the whirlwind 
as he is humbled as he sees his place in the vastness of God's good creation. Job's quest for wisdom teaches us that seeking wisdom is a lifelong journey towards understanding in light of the craziness and confusion of this world and this life. He teaches us that wisdom and understanding is something that we always strive for but never fully achieve in this life. His story calls us to live a life of asking good and challenging questions to God in prayer and study, hoping that we might grow deeper in faith as we see the goodness of God beside us in the best and worst of times alike. This transformational, humbling quest of seeking wisdom in the Old Testament, friends, is exactly the kind of relationship Jesus calls us uh, each to seek with God and one another. Jesus himself embodied this humble life of obedience toward God and taught us to do the same, calling us to serve and love others in his name. So friends, as we begin a new program year here at WPC, I encourage us all, myself certainly included, to seek wisdom, to commit ourselves yet again to this lifelong journey of humility and transformation towards God's ways of understanding, of asking good and challenging questions, not so we'll have all of the answers, but rather so that our faith and love of God may deepen. We are moved to share this transformational hope with others. May it be so, friends. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.